All right, everybody, welcome back to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated of South Florida. And our Pittsburgh Steelers have come off a very impromptu bye week. Uh, if you listen to the comments of Ben Roethlisberger and Vance McDonald the last couple of days, they weren't real thrilled. Um, and, uh, and, and that echoes most of Steeler Nation. Uh, we weren't real thrilled either. And, you know, the last time we did the show here, we, we kind of just said, hey, this is a pandemic. These things happen. But some things have occurred since uh, last we chatted. And uh, we, we've, now, we've now noticed that the Titans have, were, were holding quite a few little uh, get-together sessions, uh, which clearly violated this entire thing going on. And uh, we will discuss that. Plus, uh, look ahead to the matchup with the cross-state rival Eagles um and uh that comes in on sunday and joining me are ben and ian and based on what i saw in a recent survey people don't want to hear any small talk from you jerks so we're just going to get right to it um anyway (laughs) (laughs) you you know what i'm referencing i think Ian. um yeah anyway all right so guys what do you do uh ben i'll start with you what do you do? You're Roger Goodell. You 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 uh, are in. Look, you're at the mercy of the owners, but you still run the league, so to speak. What do you do about the Titans, who clearly have violated uh, some pretty important rules here? So, well, I think. Well, yeah, let me go with Ben first. Okay. Go ahead, Ben. Obviously, um, some things have come to light since the last time we we discussed this. Um, right. I was all, you know, hey, it's nobody's fault. This happens. It's a virus. You can't get around it. Somebody catches it. You know, the whole team can be infected. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Okay. These guys were completely irresponsible. They were a bunch of friggin' knuckleheads, as Vance McDonald put it today. We all knew what we were supposed to do from day zero. Mm-hmm. Screw those guys, basically. I mean, yeah. I didn't say screw those guys, but uh, that you know, was the gist. Yeah, yeah, that that was it. He basically was saying they should throw the book at him. I, what's not going to happen is what the Steelers want. They're they're not going to forfeit games, okay, guys. They're not, and they deserve to. I agree with that in in principle. They deserve to forfeit at least two games. The uh, the game to the Steelers and this game to the to the Bills coming up. I think, but mm-hmm. uh, the NFL is in business to make money. Yeah, uh, They are going to try and field a 16-game season for all 32 teams, and it's about revenue. If they fail to, to put a game on TV, they're going to have to return that money back. To I mean, the gates are, are obviously a lesser consideration right now, but they're going to have to return the TV money back and you know whatever sponsorship uh, advertising whatever else they've got going on they they're out money and not to mention the fact that the 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 Adams family no pun intended there mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. family that owns the Titans is their business partner and yes they they had some kids that misbehaved on that team and need to be spanked uh but you know i, I think they're not going to do what the Steelers fans want them to do, which is forfeit a bunch of games or forfeit a couple of games. Yeah. I think what you do is you suspend players. Um, 
I, I think you absolutely suspend players. You you don't just just find them. You suspend them and mm-hmm. you take away draft picks and I, multiple picks. I mean, honestly, today I was mad, but you know, it, it really occurs to me they need to lose at least a first round pick, maybe like a first and a third, maybe first, second, third. Wow. They need to be hurt badly. They do. I agree. Badly. This this needs to be a punch that the whole league feels so that everybody takes this seriously going forward. So, Ian, you know, you, you brought up an interesting point um, just in chatting and, and on social media as well that, that it, it, let's just to say that that one or two of these games and, and, and crap, who knows about future games, but, but let's say they end up as forfeits, which is a loss. Um, it it kind of almost benefits them in the sense of the draft. So how do you punish them and still keep it a punishment and not, you know, have, have a, a backdoor reward by, by raising their draft uh, uh, prospects? Right. So just to clarify, because yeah. there are a few people on social media that didn't quite understand this, mm-hmm. let's say that Tennessee, just for argument's sake, has to forfeit three games because they aren't able to get them rescheduled right. and they finish the year at seven and nine, which is a below 500 record and they miss mm-hmm. the playoffs. But they've of those nine losses, three of them were forfeit. So in games they actually played, they were seven and six, which would be an above 500 record in games yeah. actually played. Is it fair for them to have a draft pick ahead of teams that finished eight and eight that were, perfectly 500 so should they essentially pick before or after the 500 teams because Mm -hmm. in games they actually played they were above 500 but if you add in the games they forfeited because they were knuckleheads they'd pick sooner in the draft so you're right it is kind of a backdoor reward um i think the fairest thing to do is to organize the entire draft by win percentage in games played that way, it's not just Tennessee, mm-hmm. but if an Oakland or a New England or a whoever comes yeah. next, because there's been a handful of teams so far that have had spot cases, and yeah. It's, yeah. it's possible that other teams will have it too. Like we talked about last week. I mean, Tennessee was stupid, and that's why they had an outbreak. But one or two cases here or there, it's still a virus. It still can kind of happen oh, randomly yeah. to people. So, um, you know, it's it's one of those things where other teams may have a player or two miss or, or something small happen. So if you have to lose games, I think the financial thing is definitely in there that the team mm-hmm. needs a hefty fine. And part of that is the NFL has to recoup some of their money that they have to pay back to the TV stations for the games that aren't aired, especially if they lose a primetime game. If they lose a primetime game, they're in some serious trouble True. right now they've kind of, I'll say, gotten lucky that mm-hmm. the, the potentially postponed games were 1 p.m. games, and actually they got to shuffle a few afternoon games into primetime slots. But, um, yeah. you know, like uh, like like moving uh, the, the New England-Kansas City game last week into a, a primetime matchup certainly didn't hurt their TV and, revenue. Probably. Yeah, and, and, and just real quick, years past when those types of things have happened, and I, and I know this happened with the Lions, I can recall once or twice because of, of problems with their stadium after snowstorms or something, they, they moved the game to a primetime thing, but it was still only visible or, or viewable uh, to, to the local markets. Um, it, it wasn't 
available like that Kansas City New England game was to everybody. Now maybe that's because that was going to be the the highlight game. It on, was on yes. Sunday CBS, afternoon. CBS yeah. had the guaranteed nationwide right four right. o'clock game, so they kept the essentially guaranteed nationwide broadcast. Yeah. But makes sense. If there's games on, I mean, there's going to be ways that people can watch them. So it's not going to oh, sure. It's not going to hurt tv revenue if you shuffle more games into prime time um but especially if they lose a prime time game that's going to be a serious example so yes tennessee definitely needs to be made an example of i don't disagree with anything ben said but i also Mm -hmm. want to add that there needs to be the the financial penalty for the organization they should probably lose draft picks just as it is but league-wide they also need to organize the draft based on games played not overall record if they start instituting forfeits for any team, not just Tennessee, but for anybody. Yeah. The amount of money that they're going to, to find the, the organization will probably be like 250 grand. I mean, honestly, for an NFL owner, that's tip money. They just, it doesn't matter. That's why I, what I want to see is not a monetary, it's not a monetary discipline. What I want Mm -hmm. to see Mm -hmm. is that the organization lose something that hurts them long-term, which is why, I'm I'm advocating draft picks and and multiple draft picks. They they screwed the pooch here. They did. There's no way around that. So the latest and greatest on this is that the Bills road game against the Titans has been rescheduled for Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern. Mm-hmm. And if the Titans have any more tests that are positive and come back, the game is scrapped. There'll be no Testing. game. Yeah, the game will be scrapped. There is no game, and the Bills will be playing next Thursday as originally scheduled. So, this is just—it's a a worst case scenario brought about mm-hmm. by the fact that players were irresponsible, just irresponsible, selfish. Remember when Bill Cowher used to be standing on the sidelines screaming, "That's selfish! That's selfish!" Not oh yeah, flying out of his face. And his oh face. sure. It's that. <laughs> well, you know, you brought up the part about about you know suspending players. I mean, some of the some of the photos that I saw, I, I, there was a decent amount of players at, at those uh, yep. uh, fields they were on. I, you know, it's not like you can call up the farm team. Um, so I'm no. curious how they would do that. And you could even suspend them this week and say you're suspended. And and basically, what it amounts to is you're not getting paid. Yeah. You ain't getting Oof. paid this week. Um, it, it's going to be interesting, and it, 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 like we said, it took a really interesting turn after our show when we started to find out um, that that this wasn't just the virus being the virus. This was guys uh, blatantly uh, uh, yeah, and, disobeying and rules. Suspensions do things like void guarantees and contracts. Oh, yes, they, they don't just they don't just take the money away from you for this week. It's got a, a lasting impact. Mm-hmm. I I believe that players, if they knew they were facing a a suspension for screwing around with these protocols, would start taking things very seriously. Yeah, I think so too. And maybe Tennessee's gonna gonna ultimately be the uh, litmus test, I guess, if you will. Yeah, um, they, the sacrificial lambs. Example. Yeah, it, it's certainly looking that way, and. Uh, uh, you know, I, I hate that that we had to miss the game next week, and and I know a lot of fans are screaming that you know, give us the forfeit and our buyback, and you know that ain't gonna happen. 
I, I don't I don't think so. But you know, you could definitely sense from the comments of Ben and, and Vance McDonald and a few others that they were they were less than pleased by it. Um and and I think what we as fans have to remember is um as much as we love the game, this is a job for these guys, and they also look forward to time off, just like you and I do from our jobs. Um, and, you know, Eric Ebron was pretty outspoken about it. He talked about the fact that that he had a birthday party planned for his his son, I think, that during that bye weekend, and it's not a bye anymore. So these guys do get upset about that stuff, and and clearly we, we saw that. Um, so let's move forward, guys, and talk a little bit about uh, the Philadelphia Eagles coming in here. The Steelers find themselves uh, obviously still three and zero. Baltimore moved to three and one with their win over the Washington Football Team, and uh, the Bengals got their first win of the year over Jacksonville. So, um, you know, and and the Browns also uh, <laughs> got in a shootout with Dallas and uh, uh, eventually walked away from that one with an eleven point win. So, you know, it's an important they game for nearly, the Steelers. They nearly they, blew a 28-point fourth-quarter lead, though. Let's not, let's not you know, yeah. cut corners here. Uh, I was that's really a, hoping. That's a really bad Dallas defense. I, yeah, I awful. I, I fully admit I did not see that coming. I thought they would struggle, especially with a couple of the injuries they've had. But, man, is that a bad defense at Dallas. Whew. Um, yeah, they are but, terrible. Yeah. Um, but so the Eagles come in fresh off their win. It's their first of the season. And congratulations, Philadelphia Eagles. You are in first place in the NFC East with a record of one, two, and one. Um, which that'll get you last place in the AFC North right now, which is where the Bengals are. So this is gonna be one an hole. interesting, interesting game. Ben, what are you what are you looking for? Just your overall uh uh preview here before we get into the specifics. Well, I don't want to steal Ian, any of Ian's thunder here, but the D line for the Eagles is good. Yeah, um, it is. And they they rotate seven or eight guys in and out of there and keep them fresh. Mm-hmm. And Jim Schwartz doesn't believe in not being aggressive. So even when you run draws and screens and and gouge them for yards because their linebackers suck and their corners aren't much better, um, they still just keep coming. They they're aggressive. Yeah. And I mean they're averaging four sacks a game right now. Yep. So they're they're not a bad team in that regard. I expect um uh, the short passing game to work pretty well with these guys because as I mentioned, their linebackers suck and mm-hmm. their corners aren't great. Um, I don't expect Ben to hold on to the ball a whole lot. I, at least I hope he doesn't. <laughs> um, I think that they can be exploited in the run game. The defense is just not good. Uh, Carson Wentz, especially when he's moving off his spot is not good. Mm-hmm. Um, they have pretty good receivers. They have a decent running game. Uh, the but their offense are all hurt, though. Yeah, yep. and their their and their offensive line is all hurt. Yeah, three guys out. Yeah, out. And I mean, it's just you know they have no tackles right now. So you know, I on paper this should be a pretty easy game, but mm-hmm. Ian's about to tell you why we probably shouldn't sleep on these guys. No, no, and and Ian, you you did a couple of pieces uh, for SteelCityBlitz.com, obviously, um, focusing in on on the Eagles, and and um, so so let's let's start with with the Steelers uh, on defense. Um, 
What what do the Steelers need to do against the Eagles defense, or excuse me, against the Eagles offense, which, as you mentioned, banged up offen- offensive line, banged up with receivers? What's the game plan here if you're Keith Butler? Well, the game plan is pretty much to keep doing what they've been doing, which is aggressively rush the passer and get them mm-hmm. on the ground when they get there. I feel like a broken record every week on the oh, podcast sure, saying the sure. same thing. But, you know, we face Daniel Jones, who isn't, um, you know, he's not Michael Vick back there, but no. Daniel Jones has some elusiveness, and yes, they did a great job getting him on the ground when they got to him. And not only getting him on the ground, but just the, the number of quarterback hits we have this year is just off the charts. The amount of pressure we're getting is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Deshaun Watson, who they used a little bit of a different scheme against Watson that they were rushing for and keeping usually Devin Bush in the middle as a spy to kind of prevent the scrambles. Uh, but then they, they switched up a little bit in the second half because Watson really wasn't scrambling for right. yards, especially up the middle like he can do. Um, he was trying to get out to the sides to throw the ball down the field. And, you know, they made an adjustment. We saw it happen on Mike Hilton's interception, which I did a breakdown of as well. Hilton made a fantastic play on that. Mm-hmm. And then – definitely. This week, we get Carson Wentz, who kind of like Daniel Jones, is not really a a scrambler, but has some foot quickness, some ability to get out of tackles, Mm -hmm. and that he can... He's not good moving off his spot, but he can also extend the play and asking corners to try and defend for longer than a handful of seconds against anyone in the NFL, regardless yeah. of how beat up their receivers are, just isn't really a great proposition. So he he made a couple plays last week in their victory over San Francisco where it looked like the 49ers had him pretty much dead to rights and he was able to get out of it and make a throw down the field. Now, granted, San Francisco had about as many injuries in their secondary as Philadelphia had at their wide receiving group. <laughs> so it was kind of like they got guys off a playground to go out and play corner and wide receiver for both teams. But that being said, Wentz is capable of making plays on the run. He hasn't been mm-hmm. good at it recently or really since his uh, back injury a few years ago. But nevertheless, he's capable of doing it. So they got to get him on the ground when they get there. I have no doubt we will get a ton of pressure in this game. Both defensive lines really are going to control this game and kind of have their way with the opposing offense. The other thing to watch out for is Miles Sanders, local kid, went to Woodland Hills High School and Penn State that is a a really good all-around running back. He's got some good moves as just a pure running back. He's also a pretty good receiver out of the backfield he's developed into a decent blocker so gotta watch out for Sanders as well probably Mm -hmm. a similar game plan to what we saw against the Giants uh and and even against Denver somewhat that you know stop the run and make the quarterback beat you with his arm and trust your pass rush so that's that's what we're looking for when we're on the defensive side of the ball is make Wentz throw the ball and then pick it off because we will get chances at interceptions in this game yeah, you know, and and Ben, before I throw it to you, I'm just I'm just kind of perusing. You know, the last time these these two hooked up, um, it was, was bad. it was real bad. Uh, the the Steelers got beat thirty four three in Philadelphia. Uh, Wentz was three hundred yards, uh, twenty three of thirty one, two TDs, and uh, oddly enough, the leading rusher that day was Wendell Smallwood, <laughs> seventy nine yards and a touchdown, yeah. and uh, he's currently on the Steelers practice squad. But uh, um, that was not a good day. It started no, poorly. It, it wasn't. But know, let's let's yeah. let's put it in context. The Steelers' defensive backfield on that day was 
was awful and the personnel yep. involved in that game were not good and, and things have changed. Right. Conversely, or on the other side of the ball, if you will, Wentz has had a serious back injury and he's never been the same since. And, uh, you know, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. He's just mm-hmm. a hurt quarterback who's going to have a, a shortened career because of that injury. And he's not as effective as he used to be anymore. He knows where he wants to go with the ball. He just can't do it anymore. That's my take on it. That is incredible, though, when you think about a guy that, I mean, he hasn't been in the league that long, but he has really taken so many hits and so much punishment. Um, He he does kind of have the body of a guy who's been in the league twice his, his time. Um, well, that's and, the one, I, I, you know, other than, other than obviously, you know, getting your arm hurt when you're a quarterback, the yeah. one thing you don't want is a back injury because so much of your core is involved in throwing the ball Yep, and you know, you need that anyway to just to stabilize your body and play. And that's something you never really get over. And especially if you're taking hits, it exacerbates that problem. And that offensive line, as we both mentioned, sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're not good. And and on top of that, they've got guys that weren't all that great to begin with that were their starters mm-hmm. that are out on injured reserve. Yeah, and and it it's just it's a feeding frenzy for opposing defensive lines, which makes his situation even worse. And I I don't know how he's going to make it to the end of the season. I really don't. Well, it's funny you say that because I, I am sitting here pondering whether or not he makes it to the end of the game. And and I don't mean to say that because we're the big bad Steelers and we, we abuse quarterbacks. I, I just think of the punishment that he potentially could be facing um, with his patchwork offensive line and our good defensive line, our good linebackers, the way we bring uh, a Mike Hilton, for example, you know, all it's going to take is one decent shot, and, he, and he's right back over. And again, I know you can say that about any quarterback, but um, you know, I, I does does Philly try to run the ball here? I mean, it's not like teams have been successful doing that against us either. No, uh, no, but they absolutely, they absolutely try to run the ball. They um, have to. And, and the Steelers will be expecting that. And and it, again, it, it comes down to exactly what Ian mentioned before, mm-hmm. where you're going to see another game plan where the defense's primary aim is going to be to stop the run and dare the quarterback to beat them. Um, their wide receivers are not healthy. Uh, our DBs are, are pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, communication issues they've had, notwithstanding. Yeah. They're, they're a talented group. And, you know, they may give up some plays here and there, but they're going to do enough. And I, like I said, you know, we've talked about this before. They're, they're not hitting their stride yet, no. but I expect them to continue to improve as the season goes on. And I don't think that this week is, is going to be much different. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, except we... that, that I, I expect that that communication to improve a little bit, you know, especially yeah. given the fact that, Things were set aside. They had a bonus day this week. They sat down. They did a little extra game planning, probably watched some extra film. Uh, they had more time to prepare for this opponent than they ordinarily would have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and probably to do some some self-scouting as well, which is always helpful. Absolutely. Um, something that probably 
a lot of fans don't understand that teams do. Um, but before we flip to the other side of the ball, let me remind you, you're listening to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated, serving Broward and the Southern Palm Beach counties. Whether it's commercial, residential, multifamily, or condos, contact Deck Roofing today at deckroofing.com. All right, Ian, we flip over to the other side of the ball here. The Pittsburgh Steelers are on offense. The Philadelphia Eagles are on defense. You seem to like the matchups of our tight ends. Explain. I love that matchup, but yeah, I'll explain that first. Then I'll talk about I'll talk about the good first and then the bad. I, I like so, Ebron, but yes. So <laughs> so far this season, the Eagles defense mm-hmm. has given up about twenty percent of the targets to tight ends, which is about normal league wide. Okay. You know, about twenty okay. percent of the targets going to tight ends. Uh, 28% of the yards they've given up have gone to tight ends. Still not, you know, still relatively in line, but that's considering that they face Washington, who uh, uh, Thomas is not great at tight end. He's a converted quarterback, I think, isn't he? Yeah, he was a quarterback. Um, Yeah, and then uh, then Cincinnati, who has absolutely no tight ends. And the Rams, who Tyler Higby scored three touchdowns, but only had like 37 yards because all his <laughs> touchdowns were just of a couple yards out. Yep. But then last week they faced George Kittle, who granted is one of the best in the league, but he, he had is. 15 catches on 15 targets for like 175 yards. yards. Yeah. <laughs> more than more than half of San Francisco's passing offense. That sounds pretty good. Came yeah. from Kittle. It was so, ridiculous. What does this mean? The Eagles have given up seven passing touchdowns this year, and five of those seven have been to tight ends. So teams are definitely exploiting them, especially in the red zone, for their inability to cover tight ends. Part of this is because, as Ben mentioned, their linebackers suck. They are just (laughs) dreadful. They, I, I have a piece coming out probably Friday uh-huh. um, that's going to break down all five of the touchdowns they gave up to tight ends and pretty much on every one of them, the inside linebackers are either too slow or mm-hmm. just standing around watching the ball or are just way out of position. And the Eagles are susceptible to over pursuing to the extent of the first touchdown they gave up to Logan Thomas, the the Redskins, or not the Redskins, the Washington football team <laughs> ran ran a pre-snap motion with just a wide receiver, you know, coming yeah. across like the, yep. the jet sweep action kind of deal, leaving only Thomas on the one side of the field. The running back leaked out to that same side. There was only one defensive back over there because the defensive back that was on the wide receiver came in motion with him. The Uh one defensive back decided he was going to cover the running back out of the backfield and leave Thomas literally half of the field wide open. There (laughs) There was no one. Thomas caught the touchdown pass on the W in the word Washington. The closest defender was on like the I in the word Washington. <laughs> so so was, they, they, just complete defensive breakdown. They are dreadful at covering tight ends. 
Kittle exposed them all over the field. They'd mm-hmm. been exposed in the red zone before. They have a ton of injuries to their cornerbacks. So Jalen Mills, who's actually a safety, has been playing corner for them, right. and their linebackers suck. So we can definitely exploit them throwing to the tight ends. We have two that are good. We saw Ebron expand his role a bit in the last game. Mm-hmm. I would think that would continue in this one. I, I feel very good about the matchups our tight ends have. They do have Darius Slay still at cornerback, so yeah. we. But we have three or four, however you want to count it, quality receivers plus a couple good tight ends. So we're in a situation where we can pretty much just not throw the ball to whoever Slay is covering, whether it's Deontay Johnson or Juju or Chase Claypool or whoever. Mm-hmm. And there will be plenty of other mismatches around the field for Ben to exploit. Yep. Well, and, and Ben, so how do you, if you're Randy Feekner, how do you uh, expose those those linebackers using your tight ends? Um, because Washington did it, San Francisco obviously with a great tight end did it, and, and certainly the Rams did in the red zone. So what, what kind of stuff do you do, you do uh, if you're the Steelers? I don't think you have to get real fancy based upon what I've seen from these guys uh you know basically you you just run a tight end up the seam and <laughs> you know you or you you run a little curl route into the flat and then you see what he can get it, it's that simplistic kind of stuff that is working on these guys um if ben hits ebron in the seam running toward the end it's a 20 yard game mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. it's he's gonna be that open their linebackers are terrible and their safeties can't really cover either so it's like you're you know it's feast it's a feast between the numbers so so let me literally let let me ask you this we we've said numerous times the linebackers aren't good okay clearly they've got some some miscommunication struggles too if if guys are getting that wide open somebody's just not doing his job or not getting the message kind of a thing but there's also the physical component here that they're just not physically able to cover these athletic tight ends. So when you combine those two things, is is that their problem? They just don't have the horses. Defeatist attitude it would be my guess. I mean, it just seems to me looking at them, guys are trying, they're avoiding things. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's just my instinct watching it. They're avoiding taking responsibility for certain players because they don't want to be res- the guy who gave up the big, I, I don't know. I don't get it. I mean, you'd think as a professional athlete, you would, that would never be the case, but right. it just seems like there's a defeatist attitude involved there to me. I mean, even you look at a guy like, like Vince Williams, who's not good in coverage, but if he has to, he tries, he, he oh, hustles absolutely. downfield as, as yep. hard as he can to do what he's got to do. I just don't see that from these guys. It it just seems like, you know, they're, they're pulling up, they're double covering running backs when they shouldn't be. They're standing in the flat and letting a guy run past them the other way. It's things like that. You go, are you kidding me? I mean, (laughs) it's not even like you're not even trying. I mean, this is ridiculous. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know what, what's going on there um yeah why that is the way it is i don't spend enough time obviously watching these guys no. but based on what i've seen it just isn't good and there are a lot of problems probably more than one 
Yeah, it, it certainly looks that way. And and look, the strength of this Eagles defense is the de- defensive line. Um, Ian, they they are a Jim Swartz defense in the wide nine. Um, yes, they what, are. What makes this defensive front uh, so good? Because if they're allowed to create problems, then it makes life a lot easier on those on that back seven. But um, they are very very good. They are. They have some good players, some high draft picks, some guys with pedigree. Uh, and just to speak about the wide nine for a minute, I wrote an article this week uh, kind of breaking down what the wide nine is. So I'll do my best to describe it without the visual aids of right. a article on the website, but it's there for people to look at too. So the the defensively, the gaps in the offensive line have numbers, starting with one being the gap off of the center's shoulder, mm-hmm. uh, three being the gap off the guard's shoulder, five being the gap off of the tackle's shoulder, and then nine would be the far outside gap off of a tight end shoulder. Yeah. So in, in a typical 4-3 defense, uh, your defensive end would uh, line up kind of as that seven technique or five technique um, being in the in the gap between the tackle and the tight end, if there is one. Mm-hmm. Um, What a wide nine does is it moves that defensive end even farther outside to essentially lining them up um, outside of where a tight end would be if they were in line. Mm -hmm. And what this does is the 10 gap. Yes, it really is. They can can essentially line up like a track sprinter, um, you know, in a, in a three point stance and, it's really hard if you have guys who are explosive off the ball. It's really hard for an offensive tackle to to get the depth on their drop to essentially beat that guy to the spot before he cuts the corner to get to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. So for guys that are explosive and can get off the ball quickly, um, they can essentially cut down the angle and have a shorter line to get to the quarterback because the tackle can't get back there quick enough to block them and the Steelers for years have struggled against teams that run a wide nine I broke down some numbers over the last four games against Jim Schwartz's defense Um, so what these numbers mean are the four games against Schwartz I took those games and then the other 15 games in those seasons that the Steelers played so kind of an apples to apples comparison um, of how those teams were they basically averaged about uh half of their rushing yards per game uh, against non-Schwartz teams. They averaged about 107 against the Schwartz teams. They averaged 57 uh, fewer yards per attempt in the ground game mm-hmm. uh, by about a full yard, more sacks per game, more turnovers and fewer points. Um, now some of the, you know, fewer rushes or fewer yards per attempt comes from the fact that they were behind in those games and had to throw more. And that also leads to more sacks. Some of it is just the defensive philosophy of Jim Schwartz's teams don't care about the run. To be honest, they don't. Their philosophy Mm -hmm. is they play the run on the way to the quarterback. They're getting after the quarterback at all costs. So can you catch them on draws and screens and get big plays? Absolutely. You can, Mm -hmm. but if, if they can, if they can, hit the running back on the way of the quarterback. If he has the ball, great. They get him on the ground. If he doesn't, then they're still coming after the quarterback. So Ben will be under pressure in this game. They're going to have to do some things to mitigate that. I actually think that this could potentially be a big game for Anthony McFarland just because of how they used him last game. 
and he's a guy that actually has the quicks to get around that defensive front. And like you guys mentioned earlier, Schwartz is aggressive. He's going to bring blitzes too. It's not just going to be the front four. He's going right. to bring other guys on blitzes. I think they have 13 different players on that defense that have at least a half a sack this year. So they're going to bring all kinds of pressure and they're going to rotate guys in. The Steelers really should look to use a lot of no huddle this week too, just to try and keep the same defensive line on the field and not let them rotate in those fresh guys. So, Good point. On top of trying to, to work in a screen game and a draw game, which we talked about Randy Feekner's obsession with second and 10 draw plays, um, <laughs> t- taking some of that pressure off Ben by using more no huddle just to keep their defensive line on the field and prevent that rotation from happening would be a big help. And the other thing I will say is that so far this season, you know, the Eagles run defense might not look all that good on paper mm-hmm. considering uh, how many yards they gave up to a couple teams. Like the Rams ran for 191 yards against them. Yeah. The Rams did a lot of that with, they did some jet sweeps. They ran like five or six times to have wide receivers carry the ball. Um, but their leading running back had was Daryl Henderson, 12 carries for 81 yards, but got half of those on a 40 yard run. Malcolm Brown had 11 carries for 47 yards, got almost half of those on a 19-yard run. So they'll give up big runs, but on the whole, they're they they're not. Yeah, they they do limit a lot of them, and a lot of them is that a lot of it is that defensive philosophy against the Bengals. Joe Mixon only had 49 yards on 17 carries, and then the week after, Mixon went out and ran for 151 against Jacksonville. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the two takeaways here from both the tight ends piece and the defensive line piece is to use a lot of pre-snap motion because their linebackers stink and they'll fall for that crap. So even if we don't, you know, hand the ball off to Deontay Mm -hmm. Johnson, just the sheer act of bringing him in motion will send their defense into a mental frenzy and they'll have no clue what's going on. So, and, and that can open up something as simple as, a draw play to a running back. You know, you bring a wide receiver in motion across, it makes the linebackers shift in their stance a little bit. Suddenly they're flat footed and you can hit them up the middle for a couple yards. Well, so, yeah. Yeah. And I was just going to say, and, and, and this is kind of where, and, and, you know, Ben, obviously pre snap reads are huge when, when you've got that many different guys with at least a half a snack uh, sack. So you're, you're, you're trying to figure out who's coming and who's not, but, Ben, is this a potential game where we see a little bit more than what we've seen already of of Matt Canada's influence with pre-snap motion? Uh, potentially you do, yes, because yeah. you you want to you want to identify the coverage as quickly as possible at the line of scrimmage before mm-hmm. the snap so that you've got a hot read and you can get rid of the ball quickly. So, yeah, but I wouldn't necessarily I'm not a a person who, I mean, like the first two weeks of the season, they ran hardly any motion at all. Right. They ran right. more of it last week or last week, last game yeah. versus the Texans. Um, but I don't know if I want to give Canada credit for that or not, or if it's just, just been moving guys around going, okay, I need, I need to see what the coverage is. Mm-hmm. And you move enough guys around the, the, the defense has to commit. And now, you know, for certain that it's man or zone. And, and you can kind of go from there. Um, so, you know, we'll see. Uh, more exotic pre-snap motion than I will say. You know, more jet sweeps, things along those lines 
then yeah, I'll, I'll be saying, yeah, okay. That was, that's Matt Canada. Um, but other right. than that, I mean, 2018, they ran plenty of motion. 2019, they didn't run hardly any. No, uh, they ran a mm-hmm. little bit here and there, but they didn't run much of it. And you know, that you could say that was Randy Fickner. You could say it was the quarterbacks. Personally, I think it was the quarterbacks. They just weren't capable of, of doing it. Right. Um, and, and still realizing where the receivers were going to be when the ball was thrown. So I, I, I think in 2019, you know, Randy's not great, but the quarterback play made him look even worse than he is. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I, I'm not a, I'm not a guy who's buying into Matt Canada has a great influence on this offense yet. I'm no, not, no, I'm not either. It yet. I, I, I know that's a popular take. It um, is. Matt, Matt Canada denies it. Um, ben has mentioned it a couple of times, but mm-hmm. you know, Ben says a lot of things and yes, he does, and they don't come to fruition all the time. So I, I halfway wonder if Ben, isn't just as big a liar as Kevin Colbert is when he's talking <laughs> to the media and, and trying to, to feed them BS. Um, and Finkner, you know, who the hell knows what he says half the time. It doesn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> so I, I, you know, more motion definitely because yeah. of the hot reads, but I, I don't necessarily know say. if it's going to be the Matt Canada type motion you saw when he was the, the pit OC. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kind of on a, a little bit separate issue here. Uh, just just real quick, you both can chime in on this. Ian, uh, uh, would you consider keeping Ray Ray McLeod as your punt returner, or do you just automatically go back to Deontay? Um, they're fairly similar, I think. Um, I think mm-hmm. you go back to Deontay if he's healthy and right. everything. Um, but I, I, I don't think there's a big drop off from Deontay to McLeod. Um, I, I think I'm glad we have McLeod on the right. roster. Um, but I, I think that you can use either one of them back there and be okay as long as they field the punt. I think fielding the punt is honestly my biggest concern for both Definitely. of them. Definitely. Um, Absolutely. But once they get the ball in their hands, I, I think they have similar talents of what they can do with the ball. Yeah. Ben, how, how do you feel about that? I I make McLeod the number one. PR the punt returner and mm-hmm. when I when I want a special return I put Deontay back there the way okay. that Tomlin used to do with San Antonio yes you know, yes when I when I want a special return when I want to change a pace I change things up and I put a different returner back there but I I think McLeod is close to breaking one on a return at some point and if mm-hmm. that happens his confidence is going to go through the roof and that's the guy I want to see. Well, and I will be uh, the first to admit that when they signed Riri McLeod, I thought, okay, fine. They're bringing this guy in, you know, let let him hang around for a couple weeks and, you know, off he goes. Uh, I, I've been extremely impressed with what I've seen out of him as a, a fill-in punt returner and as a kick returner. Um, this was a really sneaky, good signing. I think it, it may yet prove itself to be even better, but so far I remain pretty impressed because I didn't think much of it when it happened. Um, it, you know, at least that that's kind of the way I felt about it. Um, injury issues, gentlemen. Um, we know right now that, uh, since we're talking about Deontay Johnson, he's out of concussion protocol. 
should be good to go. I know he had a toe problem uh, yesterday, I believe, Wednesday. Um, but but I don't think it's anything that's going to keep him from playing on Sunday. Um, obviously, Derek Watt still dealing with a bad hammy, and, and it looks like he's probably not going to go. Marcus Allen, who... Uh, again, has been kind of a surprise, um, done very, very well, special teams. He's dealing with some plantar fasciitis, which as any of us that have ever dealt with that, we know that sucks. Um, he's Big a time. little, yeah, he's a little closer to being, but then all of a sudden TJ Watt popped up on the list with, uh, with a knee. Now, uh, Dale Lolly from, from, uh, DK on sports said, uh, not, not a major issue. He should play blah, blah, blah. Holy crap. Uh, Ian, what happens if TJ Watt can't play on Sunday? Well, if TJ Watt can't play, it'll probably be the Alex Highsmith show. Um, they've been rotating their outside linebackers pretty consistently so far this year that, Watt and Highsmith have basically been trading off snaps and Dupree and Ola Adeni have been trading off snaps. Uh, pretty much if you look at any game, if you add up those two sets of players, you'll get pretty much the entire number of defensive snaps. So there's been almost a straight rotation of Watt and Highsmith yeah. and Dupree and Adeni. So they they have a plan in place, it seems, for mm-hmm. how they're going to do it. And given how dreadful the Eagles offensive line is, it may be possible that we see Highsmith take a couple more snaps this week. He's been around 10 or so every game so far this year. So I I wouldn't be surprised to see that number jump up to somewhere in the 15 to 20 range potentially. And just to try and limit Watts exposure a little bit. But this is a game where whoever's in there is going to be able to tee off against the Eagles offensive line. So, Rotating those other guys in there should be perfectly fine. And those other guys, Adeni and Highsmith, have proven to be solid run defenders that, you know, you're not going to lose anything in Mm -hmm. the running defense. You might not get as much pressure or as quick of pressure with those guys in there. They're capable of getting some, but it might not be as quick as you would get with TJ and Dupree. But they're they're capable guys. Still capable guys. Yeah. Um, Ben, if, if I were to have asked you after the, the season opener against the giants and and I would have said, you know, I think Connor's going to be fine. He'll easily reclaim his starting position. What would you have felt about that right after that game? Uh, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're wrong. Uh, right. just to real quickly, um, based upon what I was told today regarding Watt, he just mm-hmm. had a little swelling in his knee Okay, and they held him out as a precaution. It's not anything they're real concerned about. But uh, regarding uh, Connor, he he seems to have gotten stronger since week one. Yeah. Week one was not a very impressive performance. As I've, you know, been open about, I didn't think he was 100% healthy week one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He seems to be getting better as things move along. Um, his burst was much better versus the Titans. I imagine with a couple of weeks off, getting a lot of rest, He's probably going to be in a lot better shape this week than we've seen him all season. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. I I really kind of liked the the mixture they used last week. You know, they they got McFarlane in there for six seven uh, touches and and obviously Snell a couple as well. And you know, uh, we know Mike Tomlin's pattern with his running backs. He likes a bell cow, and that's just the way he is. And 
Um, so we'll, we'll see. Um, Ian, uh, predictions on this game coming up Sunday. By the way, it's Sunday, 1 p.m. It's a Fox game uh, with the NFC team coming in, and it is going to be seen by a great deal of the country. So um, hopefully, if you're listening to the show and you're in one of those markets, you'll get the game. But uh, what, what, how do you think this plays out, Ian? I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people expect it to be. I expect a lot of griping on Twitter of this is a team we should be blowing out, all that other stuff. I think the Eagles' defensive line is good enough to stall out a few of our drives and to make it closer than it needs to be, but I don't think they're good enough. I don't think they can throw the ball when it matters. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say Pittsburgh 26. Seven to twenty. Ooh! All right, Ben. What do you got? Um, I think it's gonna be closer than that. Um, Whoa! I I expect a lot like Ian is talking about right now, where there's gonna be a lot of griping. Where you know we should be blowing this team out. They Mm -hmm. suck. Blah blah blah. The NFC East is terrible. Yada yada yada. Um. And a lot of bitching during and after the game. <laughs> a lot of bitching because Steelers fans are so patient and really have a feel for the fact that the season changes every Very four weeks. Yeah. And, you know, and that the, the complexity and, and the, the texture of the league changes every four weeks. And that you don't really want to peak in, in September or October. You want to be playing your best ball right about Thanksgiving but, you know, as far as they're concerned, they should blow out every team every week. Yeah. So uh, I'm thinking more along the lines of like 26-21, which was that that score versus the the Broncos. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, maybe 27-23, something like that. And, and people are going to be pissed. They're going to be angry. But, you know, I'll just – nobody will listen. It won't make any difference. But I'll go ahead and I'll remind people right now, you don't get style points for wins. No. Whether nobody you cares. win by one point or you win by 30, you get a yep. W. You get a W in the left column. Yep. And and that's it, you know. Or you get an L in the right column because you lost by one point. It doesn't yeah. make any difference. If you score more points, you win. The end. We move on. <laughs> um, and we can we can discuss – all the nuances of what they could have done better or done worse, um, you know, after the fact, but at the end of the day, it's about winning. That's it. You win or you lose. And almost winning is known as almost, almost losing is known as winning is winning, baby. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And almost being late is known as being on time. And so just stop splitting hairs. Yeah. Take the wins. Okay. They're undefeated yeah. right now. I expect them to be undefeated on Monday, uh, and I expect Steelers Nation to bitch. Uh, I, I yeah. think uh, here's a here's a great way to put this. Yeah. So, Mark or Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Do, the 2008 Pittsburgh Steelers won the Super uh-huh. Bowl. Uh huh. In Week Five, they played the Jacksonville Jaguars, who finished that season five and eleven and were a dreadful team. Do you remember how many points we won that game by? Oh no. boy. 
No, go. because it doesn't matter. It doesn't <laughs> matter. We won the game. The answer is it doesn't matter how many points we won by. It was five is the answer. But it doesn't matter if we beat them by five or if we beat them by 30. We, w- we were 12 and four that year and needed all 12 of those what? wins to get the, the bye in the first oh, round. And yeah, and well, actually, we lost to Tennessee that year to that Jim Schwartz defense. That That's right. Up, uh, in that game, they were the number one seed, and then Baltimore went in there and concussed both of their running backs. That's uh, right. Wendell White wiped his shoes with a terrible towel, and he got concussed, and uh, Chris Johnson got concussed by the Ravens, and uh, we wound up playing at home in the championship game. But the point is, when you play bad teams, even if you beat them in close games, it doesn't matter. You still beat, you them. Still beat them. Yeah. Well, it, it's a great I point. I can't believe the know. Steelers are favored by seven in this game. I got to be frank. I just don't see it. I know that the NFC East is not good, no. but I just don't see that much difference here, uh, especially given the, the Eagles pass rush. Ben will be under pressure. He will be under duress mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. day long. Mm-hmm. And, that typically lends itself to a short passing game and runs and sweeps and draw plays and screens, short gains where you march down the field and you eat up clock. That does not lend itself to a lot of high scoring. It just doesn't. And that's why Schwartz runs that defense Mm -hmm. is it limits the the scoring opportunities because the quarterback can't hold the ball for a long time. So I just, I don't see, I know that the, that the, the, Eagles offense is not good, but they're not that bad. And I know the Steelers defense is good, but they're not that good. So I just don't see a seven point difference here. And that's, it's going to be another one of those things where people are going to point at that and go, they were favored by seven and they didn't cover blah, blah. Oh, Jesus God. Christ. You people look for a reason to bitch every week. Stop. Well, I, I, number one, I don't think our offense has yet clicked the way I think it can. I don't think our defense has clicked yet the way I believe it can. Um, you you look at we've scored 26, 26, and 28. So, yeah, Ian, I love the pick of 27. Um, and that, that's basically where I was going. I was going to say 27, 21, somewhere right in there. I, the Eagles aren't going to go away. They always seem to play us hard. Um, hard. You know, gr- granted, we, we don't play as often as we did many years ago. But, you know, now it's every, what, fourth year. Um, but I, yeah, I, a win is a win. You take it and, and we got to stop worrying about the style points and stop worrying about what, what, you know, we're doing well and everything else. Just get the damn win, uh, and move on. And, and hopefully the COVID stuff is behind us. We've got, you know, then we'll have 12 more weeks of football back to back to back and so on. And, and hopefully get on a roll and, and just go from there. But I, I, I would, if we lost, would I be upset? Yes. I don't think we should lose to the. Yeah, I don't think we should lose to this team, but I don't I don't see this this winning by two or three touchdowns that a lot of people are talking about right now though either. Um it it just it just doesn't happen in my mind, uh at least not yet. Okay. All right. Uh guys, anything else uh, before we wrap things up? It's been 24 games since we scored 30 points. Wow. Yeah. Really. I, yeah, uh, the December game against the Chargers when we decided to cover Keenan Allen with a linebacker, we lost 33-30. to uh, 30. That uh, was the last time we scored 30 points in a game. 
Actually, this this past week when we scored 28 was the first time we scored more than 27 since that Saints game later that year. We didn't we didn't score yep. more than 27 at all last year, which no. in retrospect it's like holy cow, we didn't score more than 27. Uh, but I mean, we had some dreadful quarterback play. But after yeah. the way the first two weeks had gone, I was fully expecting us to score the touchdown, go for two, and miss it. So we landed on 26 <laughs> again just because we scored 26 the last two weeks. It, it tell you, it is nice to have a veteran quarterback back there, isn't it? it, it oh absolutely my God. Is. Ben, any final thoughts? Yeah, just to Ian's point, you know, the last two games there were scoring opportunities at the end of the game on final drives, and then took knees. Yeah, that's true. You know, there there were opportunities where the, the Steelers could have run the score up, and maybe the Gamblers wish they would have, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my other final point is that uh, if you live on the West Coast, you will not be seeing the Steelers and the oh. Eagles play. If you have, if if you will not, if you don't have Direct TV, I guess. Right. Your uh, your option is uh, obviously the Seahawks. Fuck those people. And <laughs> uh, Miami and San Francisco. <laughs> oh, a Super yeah. Bowl sixteen rematch. Yeah. Oh, on the Rams. Yeah, you can watch the Rams. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. Gonna pass on that. Well, in, in, in you West Coasters, I guess you can enjoy that then, kids. Uh that's Get it up for early us. And go to the gym. There you go. There you go. What a life you guys have out there, let me tell you. Uh, oh, and by the way, thank goodness our governor here in Michigan is safe. Uh, a, a bunch of yahoos were trying to kidnap her, and it didn't yeah, work. What but, the hell? What's going uh, on not, with guys, people in Michigan? No, 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 I shouldn't even said anything. We're we're just filled with idiots right now. You people suck. Yeah, no argument. No argument. Anyway, hey, uh, this has been the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated of South Florida. And as always, go Steelers. Ravens suck. Philadelphia fans suck.